All right. Welcome to this episode of Kovic Talk. I'm really excited about this one and I'm going to explain why. I recently got on TikTok and I started talking about something that I find fascinating. It's like the perfect meld of kind of music and technology. I'm talking about NFTs and I'm talking about something that we're going to dive into called non-fungible tokens. And in this murky, crazy world that we're going to go into, I came across this girl called Angela, an absolute legend and an intellectual diving into this space and you know a hell of a lot more about this stuff than me so i'm looking forward to to bringing you in on the podcast do you want to give everyone a bit of an introduction angela into into yourself and what you do sure uh thanks for having me um i had go by jinxta on all my social media personally um i kind of i my background is actually in engineering but um i started trading around three years ago and now i'm actually kind of a full-time trader and i have a trading community on the side that i kind of do but in my free time i love to dive into you know what's new what's hot and obviously nft with the rise of crypto markets is one of that um so i'm definitely super happy to be here i'm not an expert in the crypto markets but i have lurked and learned from a lot of experts and digital artists that are in the space so i'm happy to share uh, what i've learned here I love that because let's be honest, no one's an expert in this field. It's too new. It's 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 like, I don't know how long NFTs have been around, but just just to really go from square one, a lot of people who are listening to this, this is going to be the first time they've ever heard about this thing called an NFT. Do you reckon you could try and just like break down for me in in some real Lego terms? What is an NFT? Like, what's the point? Why is everyone going crazy right now about this stuff? So an NFT, right, simply put, is a non-fungible token. And you can just think of it, it wraps back to blockchain technology, crypto technology, which is able to kind of, one, is decentralized, two, you're able to track like a digital footprint of a token, which can literally be anything, be tracked back to a text file, a MP3 file, or, you know, like a GIF, um, and essentially creating scarcity, unique ownership, and a footprint of uh, ownership over time. And why do you think, like when, whenever I try and think about NFTs, I always think about them like a, like a barcode, almost like a unique identifier digitally on the blockchain. And someone said to me recently, well, you can't really think of it like a, a barcode because you can have more than one barcode that is the same number, right? And one thing that I was trying to understand about a non-fungible token is, like the word fungible I'd never heard before. And that just means that it can't be exchanged, right? You can't exchange a token like for like, because they're always completely unique. Is that have I got that right? Yeah, it's always completely unique. And whatever blockchain address, it is essentially like a line of code that is unique. And it's the transaction itself that's unique. So each transaction, or in the case of NFTs, um, they are like smart contracts. So if when you do you know, push out a limited edition version of an NFT or a multiple edition, one of five print minted NFTs. Each uh, edition is associated with a Spark contract that is then associated with a unique line of, you know, blockchain tech, which I don't really fully understand. But that does give it like a unique transaction footprint, which is in this decentralized crypto blockchain uh, transaction pool. So that that's what is giving a digital file complete unique kind of uh, like attribution right because yes. a, a question that i'm always asked all the time is 
why would someone pay like a ton of money for like a digital thing that you can just screen grab and and you know grimes just did 6.2 million in 20 minutes and you've got you know mm. nba top shot and and it's it's an interesting question to tackle and i'm interested to know how you're going to tackle it it's like what why the why are people spending so much money right now on digital things mp3s gifs why, why are they doing this so i think within the art industry um it not only creates like a unique opportunity for digital artists, which, you know, in, innately are things that can be copied so easily, but because of this, you know, unique digital verification that blockchain technology offers, it gives digital artists an opportunity to create something um, that's scarce and that fans and supporters can directly purchase and invest in because they support the artist and not necessarily because the artist is creating something for a client, let's say. Um, so I definitely think the value, like in any art industry, is subjective, obviously, and it only has value if people support and give it value. But one thing that blockchain technology does with the smart contracts that I mentioned earlier that's different from traditional um, classical art collecting is that that uh, digital footprint is there forever. Because versus, um, I heard this from a... She's a journalist that was trying to learn more about the difference between uh, traditional art collecting and NFT collecting. And she said one of the big difference is the blockchain uh, ability to create these smart contracts and track things. Because in the real world, when we're collecting, let's say, I don't know, like a Monet painting, sometimes those contracts are not even honored. Um, but with this decentralized system, you literally cannot go wrong with it because it's all in the system. That, blockchain tech. That's something that I find really, really exciting about it. And I, I, I did my homework as quick as I could. And one of the things that I tried to get my head wrapped around, and, and you mentioned it a couple of times, is this idea of the blockchain. And I think part of the reason why we're, we're on the same page and we see eye to eye is, you, you know, you've got an engineering background. My background is in physics. And like the, the science way of looking at this in terms of art is like, the blockchain is a way of putting fact and, and answers where, where it wasn't there before. And for people listening, when you're trying to imagine what the blockchain is, it's the best way of thinking about it, I think at least, is a publicly verifiable way of proving that something is real, right? And um, mm. let, me, let me put a, another example. Someone, when, when someone said, well, couldn't you just screen grab it and like send some art to like your friend? And I, I said, well, it's kind of like taking a picture of the Mona Lisa, isn't it? It's kind of like taking a picture and sending it to your friend. But there's a public, publicly verifiable kind of society where we go, well, the, the real one is at the Louvre. And we know that because as a, as, a, as a public, we all know and we agree. And that's the kind of construct. And even that is human at, at its center. And even that can be gamed and you could lie, right? But on the blockchain... It's almost like every single computer that's connected to the blockchain can read this same set of transactions. Have I got that right? So like everything exactly. that's bought and sold, every computer around the world can can check that those transactions are legit. So mm -hmm. the people who go ahead and like the people who bought Grimes's first NFT drop, when they bought that, they not only are going to have that attribution to their e-wallet forever but am i right that every sale of that bit of art also can benefit grimes right is that correct yes yeah so that there's the two things that you kind of touched on every artist when they sell like the original creator of the nft gets a royalty paid back and creators can set it usually it's 10 percent um some go as high as 30 percent or 40 percent um but yeah definitely every 
work that's resold, like for people's work, uh, the election piece that got resold for six point six million, he earned ten percent royalty off of that reauction wow. uh, by Christie's. So sorry, so, so that's the second time it sold. So the first time it sells, time. he gets first time. First time I think it was sold for sixty six k, and that was just directly to him because he was the original seller. But then it got auctioned off um, by Christie's which is the biggest uh, auction, and then it was auctioned for 6.6 .6 mil, and he would receive, what, 660K from that resale? Wow. So very impressive. And his most recent work got auctioned for 69 million. <laughs> so crazy. <laughs> well, there you go. I, I mean, this is this is super fresh. I don't know. I, I know for for sure there's going to be people listening to this right now being like, are these are these people crazy? Like, did they really just say that digital artwork has sold for this much? Yes, is the answer. Like, yes, it has sold. Do you, do you like when you're observing this stuff? And I really want to touch on your trading because you're very clued in into crypto and how markets are moving. How do you feel in your gut about where we're sitting in a market? Is this all like hype and over-inflated nonsense? Or do you see the long-term return and benefit in people who are acquiring these assets? So, um, you know, with COVID 2020 being very crazy, and then there's obviously a lot of stimulus checks and the government printing money, um, and all that money kind of people get it. And there's a lot of inflation right now in the market. So people are thinking, what can I best do with the cash I have and have it to appreciate value. And obviously there's the traditional stock market, there's uh, real estate, you know, your traditional kind of safer bets that people are diversifying their assets in. But then there are also these emerging crypto markets uh, and NFT markets that are kind of riding on the wave of crypto markets that are also, I think it's just another way that people diversify their assets into. Like I personally trade in the stock markets daily, but it's not like I'm putting, you know, even, I'm like putting maybe like five, less than 5% of my total, you know, assets into crypto kind of like, obviously there are big, big crypto or NFT supporters that are maybe, like I have friends who are 100% in the crypto markets and they kind of lost faith in the stock markets, but you know, to each their own. I think it's just a way of diversifying um, asset income. Um, but I think the bigger, longer lasting effect of NFTs is specifically for people like musicians or digital artists is the ability that digital artists can one like finally create original work to connect with their supporters and and kind of earn monetary income through that route um, and i think that's like really special right especially i have like digital artist friends that you know create digital artist work but it's really hard to one get that initial following and Usually how they would secure income is eventually maybe landing a collab, a sponsorship or selling a digital print. But this NFT marketplaces that are arising, which are many, we can go over that later, has given artists a opportunity to one, also reach a larger audience through NFT marketplaces and two, just just have the freedom to create whatever they want. And if they have supporters that are willing to invest in them, like they can. So I think that's really awesome. I personally actually bought an NFT last week. Yeah, what did we you could get? talk about that. Uh, again, you know, some listeners, my mom, for instance, was like, why would you? I spent 5K um, on this digital art by a digital artist based in Germany. Uh, it is one of three limited editions, one of one. They are moving uh digital art it's kind of like a japanese garden so it's a moving it's not the, what, the one of that stuff and and what, it's what? What, what's the name of the artist do you know like do you remember the 
Hannes Hummel. I don't know if that's how you pronounce him. Oh, nice. But he's, one, is a really small artist. Like, when I searched up his Twitter and his, like, social accounts, he's not, like, some big artist who already has, like, a big social media following. He, his work was, you know, first curated by Maker's Place, which is an NFT crypto art marketplace. Mm -hmm. I found his work through a deep dive, because I personally love digital art, and I really support this space. So I was deep diving to kind of just see what artists are out there. And I found his work and I just fell in love with it. I can see myself hanging it in my future meditation room and just like, it'll be in a digital frame and I'll just play it on repeat. And I personally, like, I didn't see it. Like I saw it as a collectible, right? I Obviously other people on the marketplace are doing this as a trade. They're trying to do a quick flip. Um, I mean, that was going to be that was going to be my next question is like, are you doing this similar to how you treat a market? Are you doing it to flip it? But you're not. This is a real passion. You're buying it because you want to keep it. Yeah. So I personally am buying it because I want to keep it and I support the artist. And it's kind of like the idea that maybe I discovered this artist at an early stage, you know, before he becomes big. And who knows, maybe maybe his work or the work that I purchase will appreciate in value. But I honestly, I'm not really looking to sell, even though I already got a bid, like literally the day after I purchased it, I got a bid for 8.5K on it. Um, wow. So there's definitely a flippable Element to value it. to it. Yeah, like definitely I've seen people who purchase works for 5K and resell it for 20K in like a week. So that's definitely also there for people who are traders or art curators who want to try and get into that space. But obviously the the it's not that easy because you do need to have the capital because a lot of these artworks just go and for auctions and it'll go directly up to like at least 10k a piece so very lucrative market <laughs> it's nuts i mean uh, um something that i don't talk about very often is is you know my other part of my brain is used to to run an agency and we've actually been doing nft drops with that company on the side and i've just been so impressed to see the rate that that people are kind of learning and creating new ways of doing things and i see these auctions running and we're sitting there around the computer just watching them in the last hours just like going up and up and up and it's just it's really exciting and and kudos to you and like respect to you for like doing the deep dive and finding finding the artist because i don't know this artist in germany right but i can only imagine the feeling of an artist who maybe is used to, you know, like barely getting by, or maybe it's a hobby, or maybe it's a dream of theirs to to do digital artworks and make animations of Japanese gardens or whatever, whatever passion, you know, they have. And then to realize that like, that now they're being really like well remunerated for, for this art that they do, like that just really, I think that's part of why I'm so excited about it. And I've also had friends myself in my circles who have been photographers for a long time, or they've been making some, you know, really kind of niche based art. And now they're killing it. And it's like, wow, I've got a mm -hmm. career now. And this isn't something where they have to work, you know, in some job that they hate just to, to support their passion. It's like, now they're now they're killing it. And I hope that this game is going to continue. So I love that you've done that. That's, that's really, really cool. Yeah. And it, it also, it brings me on to thinking about people don't understand where the, where, or people don't necessarily understand the future of displaying these things right because if we start looking to our like five to ten year timeline in the future when we've got like augmented reality spaces and people are putting nfts up in their like digital houses or whether they've got like tft screens in a meditation room and they're displaying this stuff is like there's real world application to the collection and ownership right i mean seems, seems like that's your plan at least 
Yeah, um, I mean, I'm always, I'm pretty nerdy when it comes to like VR and AR. Like, I love that space. I, I love imagining in the future when we shop or even like, you know, when we're just at home and I want to attend a music festival, I can just, I mean, you already can do that. You can already throw on like a VR goggle and just like be in like a music festival. Um, but yeah, just like the concept of having a home, walking and then having a digital art frame displayed in my living room and it kind of changes and goes through my collection and I could just walk home and it could be anything playing and and like just I don't know I just it's like a really cool concept to me that I definitely look forward to here's, here's something that I was thinking right as you were talking then let's say that you bought a bunch of nfts now that did go up in value so like this art piece that you've got you spent 5k you have it in your wallet Let's say in 10 years time, this becomes like some next level successful artist and you had like one of the first original works. Just just like hypothetically as an idea, does that mean that down the line you could charge people to see the art in a digital space? Like, does that make sense? Interesting. Do you own the, I mean, do you own the rights to it? Like... Um, I So I don't believe I own the rights to it. Um, and depending on... But I do think similar to how when people collect regular art and regular sculptures, they kind of put on their own art exhibitions. That could be a possibility, but I'm pretty sure like if we're talking legalities, the original owner would still probably have to maybe get something out of that. Because I'm, I'm just going a little step further here. And it's like, if I think about the Louvre in Paris and people spending their their tourist dollars and euros to go and queue up and look at the Mona Lisa it's like well it's not that far-fetched to imagine a future where there's digital art galleries where people are paying like a ticket fee to go in and and see this stuff mm. and it's just it's just such a weird but crazy like kind of exciting world potentially yeah because let me think so I was in a clubhouse where the Nyan Cat creator Chris was in hmm. um, and when he created the Nyan Cat that was just a meme that kind of went viral um, and he told me well he didn't tell me he told the room that it actually took him 10 years just to secure and make sure all the rights even for that meme before NFTs was uh, legitimate and back to himself and it took him kind of 10 years to do that but with his recent Nyan Cat NFT that was sold for 600000 um, the rights he told me he still owned. I DM'd him. I was like, "Do you still own the rights?" He's like, "Yeah, I still own full rights to that uh, original work, but the collector owns the card." He says. Okay, so, so you've you've hit the nail on the head on on a massive question that I've been asked so many times, and I'm so look I'm so glad that we're we're here because I need to ask you something. It's it's similar to the Nine K example in music. You might be aware of this, but for people listening, in music, you, you have essentially two forms of copyright. You've got the intellectual copyright, like, you know, I write a song. If I pick up a guitar right now and I write a song, okay, so that's the intellectual copyright, but it's just a song mm -hmm. that I've written. Um, then you have something called the master copyright, which is like a, a polyphonic copyright, quote unquote. And that is for the song's recording. So if I go to a record label, for example, and they pay for me to record it, then there's two distinct rights. And one of the questions uh, when I was doing my, my TikTok, and I got in a little trouble for this, and I'll explain why in a minute, but I did this TikTok. I was like, right, I'm going to go and sell a music NFT. Now, the big question is, what happens to a musician's rights? Does that mean that someone can go and sell my song, for example, if they buy the NFT of my song? So I think because the NFT has a uniqueness, one, it's like you get the royalty back. So if they sell it, 
everything's still within the transaction history and whatever that is sold to the next owner, you're still making royalties off of that original. I don't think they um, have any sort of rights to resell it because when they're when they are reselling it, they're still reselling on that same blockchain marketplace and you and everything is still timestamped and footprinted. So the idea, if I've got this right, is it's the token. So let, let's say, you know, if I get this glass of water now, I could say I'm going to mint an NFT token for this glass of water. And then I can essentially specify what it means. So if someone just buys the NFT and 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 people just find this glass of water fascinating because it's been on this podcast and it becomes super successful in the months coming up, then the stock, you know, of that glass of water would rise and then people would trade the token that represents the water. It's not that they own the right. glass of water. Exactly. P yes. Right. Okay. So that's a huge question that I know a lot of people are gonna be like, right. So okay, so if I have a song. I'm making a token that might represent something, whatever I define. It doesn't mean that someone can come along and buy that and then go and like release that song on Spotify and start making money off it. Right. No, no, no. And like, I think a really recent example, um, I don't know if you know Blau. The yeah, DJ I do. I was, who... I was actually in Clubhouse with him recently and I, I, it's why I bring that up. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Because he was probably one of the first people in the musician space that sold his minted edition ultraviolet album. Um, and the way he defined it is that the, whoever buys the NFT also get it, gets a customized song, but it's like a minted vinyl, you know, edition. It's not like they have rights to the whole entire album because it was a tribute. It was essentially like a, a tribute to the album that was already released three years ago. So. Gotcha. And that I love I love what he's done with that. And I think um, as we go a step further, and especially for the musicians who are listening, it we w we had a very very brief chat before we dived into into doing this podcast and one of the things that i found fascinating was this ability for nfts to do more than just like attribute works to someone so you can code nfts to do stuff and this is where i think blau even touched on it himself where you might have an NFT that says that someone can be the benefactor of like 10% of the song royalties, or you could have your fans, you know, buy a, a collection of NFTs that then does something in five years time, like that you can do this yeah. crazy shit. Like what, what's the stuff that you're seeing on the ground? What are you seeing artists do with this kind of technology? So from what I've heard in the art space, uh, and this is like, I think one, it's not only about scarcity, but it also makes it fun almost like they almost gamify it as people say it for instance i know i've heard of one artist that purposely kind of coded the time aspect into his art piece so every time you actually open the file associated with the nft that you buy it kind of decays but if you close the file it doesn't decay so that just kind of adds like a time factor with the nft and then like you said with the whole um, having a collection unlocks the ability of maybe purchasing the next, you know, drop. I think that's also like a way of gamifying uh, the edition. So not only are you collecting like one edition, you are now trying to collect, you know, ABC edition in order to unlock XYZ in the future. So I think that's maybe just another way for artists to kind of gamify their work pieces. And it's art, right? It's like art is very subjective. Um, and putting time as a component. And because there's block uh, the blockchain technology, we're able to kind of track it in real time, over time as well. So re really cool stuff. 
I've I've got an idea, and then you can tell me if if something like this would be possible. Okay. Can you can you make an NFT that's claimable in a space? So like if I if I made a barcode and I put it up on my front door, could someone rock up to my house and scan it, and then they could get an NFT for it? Is that possible? Huh. I. Well, I mean, every single NFT transaction has to be done through a Ethereum wallet. And I I don't know. I mean, if there's a crypto person listening and I'm wrong, but I feel like you can because your wallet has a QR code link to it and there's a unique address. Mm. So if someone comes along and says, like, scans your wallet and pays you directly, I think, but you would need to have the correct um, algorithm set up so that when they do scan that your piece actually does get transferred into whatever you know system that their collection is in because right now every single nft at least in the art space um, it's on like a platform right there are different like nifty gateway makers place super rare are like the three um, crypto art marketplaces that come to mind and every art that's traded on each marketplace is is like logged in that system and Blau's music work is logged on his own like website nft top shop is logged on you know nft uh sorry not nft top shop nba top shop is logged on their system okay so, so if, if you were to create something like you could definitely create it but you definitely need a team to make sure that everything is tracked and logged okay so before I'm gonna I'm gonna unpack my idea a little bit more because there's a reason why I asked that but just really quickly just so I've got my head around it and again, I, I need to slow down for people listening as well, because I remember when I was learning about this, it's like the e-wallet thing confused me. So you have an e-wallet. And for example, this can be something that plugs into your web browser, or you can have it as an app on your phone. And the idea is this wallet that you have on your phone, it's secure and it's just to you. And this wallet interfaces with the Ethereum blockchain. And the wallet can can observe what's happening on the blockchain. So if you buy something, you can transfer an NFT into your into your digital wallet. I've got that right, yeah? No. Right, so okay. when you buy it, yeah. So for the wallets, right, there's like, think of it as like your portfolio. They're called wallets because they're cryptocurrencies. Right. So they're called like wallets. But it's just like if you're on Fidelity, or, or if you're on Robinhood and you have a portfolio of stocks, that crypto wallet is just a platform in which you can trade crypto currency and like altcoins um, on, for instance, like Ethereum or Bitcoin. And like some of the well-known wallets are, you know, Coinbase, uh, Gemini or MetaMask is the, is the one that a lot of crypto art platform uses. But when you buy the NFT, it's on the crypto art from like the art, the NFT that I bought, it's not like a token in my wallet that shows up as like this person's art. It's uh, it's only shown up on Maker's Place, which is where I purchased it. But I purchased it using Ethereum from my wallet. Okay, but so, where, so for example, if you want to go and view your art piece, you have to do it through that website that you bought it on. Right, yes. Okay, so you couldn't give that to me, for example. Because I would need to, I would need to bid, and you would have to accept the bid, and then I would own it. But I would only own it where where it'd be kept as a registry entry on that website. Exactly. So I think that's the one thing that's really interesting. Because in another clubhouse, people were saying there are so many marketplaces, and just to name a few, Rarible, OpenSea are the ones that are kind of free for all. They're not curated or invite only. Nifty Gateway, Super Rare, Maker's Place Foundation even Zora, and then there's many, right? There's a bunch of emerging marketplaces that 
um, are only for crypto art. But, but what happens only... if those websites go down? What happens if someone pulls the plug on Nifty Gateway and the website's gone? Yeah, so that's definitely where, you know, the technology needs to be there. I think that's the same with uh, crypto technology when you think about it. Because that's a question I also also scratched my head. Like, there's still a team supporting Ethereum and developing Ethereum. And, for instance, there's this notion of gas fee. When an artist tries to mint their work, they need to pay a gas fee for the transaction to go through. Um, and a gas fee, from my understanding, is a fee paid to those people who are mining the coins. Um, and then the more people who are trying to do transactions through blockchain, the more congested the network will be, hence a higher gas fee. So right now, the average for a artist to mint their artwork is actually anywhere between $100 to $200 because of the congested network. And I think before this hype, you know, this 2021 NFT hype, it only cost maybe like two to five dollars. Well, it I remember when I did mine, it was eight bucks. And I remember thinking to myself, what, what is this gas fee? And and similar to, to exactly what you said, I understood it as being the fact that some processor somewhere had to had to chunk through the numbers to make sure that these transactions are being recorded in the blockchain in this big open kind of ledger. But yeah, the mm. fact that now it's gone up to this to this price, it also kind of prices people out of the market, especially if they're kind of on the ground level. So it's it's a it's a such a strange world but but this kind of brings me to to this concept that i was i was having whereby you're, what you're saying is that the websites store their own independent collections that that interface with the blockchain so so i guess what i'm saying is if i buy something on nifty gateway i can't take that and give that to you so you can put it on sale on rareable or open or mintable it has to stay in nifty gateway is that right exactly yeah because right now for instance the art some artists that i follow they'll be partners with a bunch of these big ones but then the art they drop on each place is like exclusive so it's almost like when you think of the fashion world there's like farfetched yeah. sense.com that comes to mind like curated designer brands but then there's like design like you know this platform exclusive partnership so that's like kind of how i think of it but i think someone brought up a good question in a clubhouse i recently attended they were saying that these platforms uh these like marketplaces should definitely try and work together to make it so that it is transferable between cross-platform you know because yeah. right now rarible and OpenSea are cross-platform so anything posted on rarible is now you can also buy it and bid it on OpenSea. Um, but with these invite-only platforms like Nifty Gateway and SuperRare, I don't think there's like a cross-platform aspect to it yet. Okay, so here's my idea, right? As you know, I'm a musician. Let's say I put a tour on and I'm doing like 30 dates around Europe next year. I think it would be cool, and this wouldn't, this wouldn't be a money thing, this would be a collectible thing. I think it would be cool if people who showed up to a gig could like scan a, a code that would be stickered all over the venue and the idea is the only way you could like mint that collectible would be to like scan scan your scan to it on your there, phone right? and then there'd be like a tradable idea that like if you could collect all of the all of the tokens from the whole tour then you would get like a free full like live recording off the set like that's and i'm just wondering like is that even possible because because I don't know, I'm, I'm gonna. I don't know if that's even possible to do something like that. But that would be a cool idea to me. That sounds like a really cool idea. But like I said, I think you do need your own dev team to make that possible. Just like how Blau has his NFT dot like Blau.com. Right. You'd have it, to make your own website that interfaces with the blockchain to store it all and mm -hmm. make it make it all right. Shit. Something like that. Yeah. But it's, that definitely sounds like a really fun idea. <laughs> sounds expensive though. <laughs> we'll see. Titanic. 
and, and, and by a, de a dev team, you're talking about people who can come in and actually code the infrastructure to for a website yeah. to talk to the Ethereum blockchain, register these sales, register these bids, mm -hmm. do the transactions. Jeez, okay, yeah, fair play. Maybe it's not so attainable. Maybe it's not so attainable. <laughs> like, so where where do you where do you feel in your gut being a trader? You said before that you kind of only put five percent of your your assets into crypto like where do you think we're going in the next three to six month period with ethereum do you think this nft thing is just going to continue to fly or do you see it peaking out uh well first of all i don't even know if i'm in any position to say anything but <laughs> from my personal viewpoint there's definitely you know the idea that we might be in a bubble um, and things are just hyped out and, you know, there's always going to be high net worth individuals kind of supporting or funneling money in to, to purchase artworks at ridiculous prices and you don't even know who they are, especially through blockchain tech where everything's anonymous. You really don't know which whale is purchasing this art for $69 million or something like that. Could you not track um, the username? Like, can you, is it just completely random then? I wouldn't be able to um, see there, if you... There's definitely, a, uh, there's definitely a username, and but it's like a username, so it's going to be behind... An there's going to be a level of anonymous uh, anonymity to it. Um, but in terms of where blockchain is going, where NFTs is going, I think similar to any collectible marketplaces, right now there's kind of the three big ones that stand out to me. NBA Topshop, which is not even on Ethereum, it's by this thing called Flowchain. They were originally the ones that made CryptoKitties back in 2017 when they blew up. Um, and then NBA Topshop is big and hyped because it's backed by the NBA League. Um, the second one is, you know, any sort of like gaming items, like for instance, CryptoKitties. Uh, and then the third one is like crypto art. So for, for me, I think anything that has a certain sentiment sentimental value attachment to it like pokemon cards over time will probably the value will still be there and appreciate because there will always be a fan base and it's kind of dependent on like if there are people that see value and give value but with art or just i don't know there's this one thing called uni socks and it's just a pair of socks and it's collectible and they put like a 100k price tag on it those things are the things that will you know, get hyped up with the bubble and die once the bubble pops. You've but like, got to you got to explain that. What do you mean the pair of socks for hundred k? I so I also heard this in a different um, clubhouse room. But you know, with the NFT hype, there's all these different things like I just listed. There's if you go to unisocks.com. All right, sweet. And you and you type it right now. It's literally a pair of socks that is going for like eighty five k. But like there must be there must be some reason. Was this like one of the first ever physical things exchanged by NFT? I like there must be. It can't be. I'm looking I at it now this. for people for people like who are listening. I'm looking at this right now. I've got nine hundred thousand dollars on on literally a pair of white socks which has got a pink design on it. Um, yeah, no, no idea. <laughs> that, that yeah, is. I haven't dived in too much, but this is something that I think is ridiculous and maybe doesn't have much real value to it and it's just hyped up and people give it value similar to you know the the banana that was taped to a wall um but you know i think in any i think in any of these marketplaces there are things that um like add value for instance like this crypto art the reason that i even like put money in you know 5k is not a small amount for me 
as like a recent college grad. But for me, I, I really think it's supporting so many like artists out there, people who have creative passion. Um, and it's really giving these marketplaces are giving them a chance. And sure, you can argue like, oh, it's so expensive to mint a piece of work. And just because you mint it and you spent the money doesn't mean like your your work is going to be sold for 20K or, you know, one million. And but that's always going to be true. Like, even if I'm just an artist starting out and I'm trying to like grow my Instagram account, it doesn't mean you're going to get 100K followers and get a sponsorship deal. But this is just like having this marketplace be a thing and having people actually support it and people bid on work to, you know, prices like 20K, 200K. It's, it's just, I don't know, it's almost for me, it's like hope for the artist community because it's another way, one of like supporters that can truly support you. And it's like that feeling, like I was really, really stoked when I got that piece because I was bidding. I was also bidding with someone else. And when I saw that, like I got it and it's like in my little collection, when you go to like Maker's Place slash Jenksa, it's like there, like that's a really intimate feeling you have with the artist. And I reached out to him on Twitter and he was also really happy and humbled, like, oh, I'm so glad you, you know, enjoy my work and, you know, more to come. I'm more motivated to create more of these series and, and just things like that. I think it's really special for the community. Well, that's another thing that you've, you've probably changed that guy's life or girl's life. It's like the fact that they can go and make more art and go and follow their dream now is just such a cool thing. And I, I love that. I haven't bought one yet, but I've, I've been told from various people that are collecting that there's a real special feeling attached, just like exactly like you've just said. And I think I'm going to, I'm thinking I'm probably going to take a dive and get my first one. So I'll have, I'll have a little shop around and see what just, just see what takes yeah. my fancy. That was like for me, two days of shopping, shopping or yeah. like searching. But yeah, definitely there are things that like it's art, right? Art similar to music. It's something that speaks to you or you you feel connected or it reminds you of something for me it's kind of like I have really vivid dreams um so I love like the idea of like surreal digital art like something that is not you can't capture in real life right so like when I look in these digital art spaces and I see something that almost gives me the feeling of deja vu it just really speaks to me personally when when you say you have like really vivid dreams why like you say that in in the terms that they're more peculiar than norm that you normally expect what do you mean when you say it's like really vivid you like lucid dreams like like i get i don't know if this is off topic but i have um, dreams that are very sci-fi fantasy and like just surreal and like really beautiful scenery and obviously that's like taken like my subconscious maybe like from movies or or scenes i've seen and like i i'm big in the edm scene so i love all sorts of crazy visuals um, and it's also like kind of like a spirituality attached to it as well. So my dreams, and I remember them. That's the thing. I remember all my dreams. Um, so when I see an art that reminds me of my dream, it's it's literally it's like a really cool feeling. <laughs> That's mad. That's yeah, crazy. Little little, you know. But yeah, it's really cool. Oh, fair play. I mean, I don't know if you know um, if you're big in the EDM scene. Do you know a guy called Gareth Emery by any chance? Yeah, of course. Yeah, so he he's actually dropping one right now, and um, when I jump off this podcast, I'm going to go and, and help him out. And he's just he's got some crazy ideas that are coming out in the next couple of months, and he's really into the NFT game. It's amazing to see what he's doing, and he's I found him really inspiring in the way that he's been talking about it. He's been involved in blockchain che- uh, tech for a long time, so you'll have to check out some of his stuff. And um, and I don't know whether you've got any advice for people when they when they're like getting into this game. Is there anything to watch out for? I don't know if there's anything you came across when you when you got into it, like whether it's wallets to use or the process. Like, what's it, what's it yeah. like? Yeah. Um, so one thing that I 
really, really heard, because I, for one, just to familiarize myself with the process of how to mint, um, I just minted a random piece of photography work that I did on Rarible. And like I said, you have to have a wallet that you connect. Um, most of the marketplaces are connected to MetaMask. Um, so you just set it up. It's pretty straightforward. But you need Ethereum also to be deposited into this hardware wallet, which I use called Coinbase. And okay. then it's it's pretty simple. You just you know convert USD to Ethereum, and then you can send the coin to the wallet address, which is a QR code or like an actual string of letters and numbers. Um, What's another thing? Uh, oh, another big thing. If you are a emerging artist in the space, the Twitter community apparently is the best place to be. Like the hashtag NFT community on Twitter is where all the artists and collectors kind of share each other's work and co collectors will be like, oh, I like your work. I'm going to buy it. And then, you know, it's just I think that's a community because when I did talk to the few NFT artists I knew, they all said that they started on Twitter. Um, and for instance, like the artist that I collected from only has like, you know, 400 followers on Twitter, but, you know, through the NFT marketplace, he gained. And it's also interesting because within the NFT artist community, there's also the collector community. Like there are some big name collectors that over time, they're always the ones bidding like 200K on a piece. And they have like their collection is like almost like a monopoly. Sometimes I remember there was this piece that I really wanted and I couldn't even like I was like, oh, this guy has his eye on it. Then I'm not even going to be able to afford it. But I still like think it's really awesome with one people who, you know, have the high net worth and are supporting the NFT marketplace, making that splash in that way. And the people who are, you know, people like Blau or people that are more big name uh, NFT artists trying to really talk about NFTs in general and educating other artists, I think is also helpful and propels this whole entire space into whatever it's going to be developed into. What, how does it work, though, if uh, someone bids up an NFT with their mates? Like, hypothetically speaking, like you said, there's a collector's club. And I imagine like anything that involves a financial infrastructure, there's going to be a, a methodology behind... Uh, like augmenting the price. So let's say, for example, you put up an NFT and then I start bidding on it and me and a bunch of people start bidding on it purely to try and hyperinflate the value of something for a purpose, whether that's like money laundering or whether that's just like to, you know, write off a write off a taxable income on my portfolio. Like surely that mm. surely that stuff must be happening. Like So I think with the so I know like different platforms do it differently on nifty gateway when they drop something the the auction window is only five minutes so that piece is dropped and within five minutes sold to the highest bidder. um and on wow. other platforms you can either set a price sell it or set it as an auction i mean definitely there is the thought that maybe people can be bidding having like artificially bidding the price up but i think because one the community is pretty new and two, but I mean, we have that I, in normal auctions, right? Like in normal auctions, right. you can overvalue. Like, how art. is it enforced, right? Well, yeah. Like, put it this way. And again, I, I don't hold me to this, and I'm sure someone will, will out there will be able to like answer this question for me. But I'm pretty sure in normal auctions, in high-level normal mm -hmm. auctions, you can kind of hyperinflate items on purpose in order to take like personal tax benefits from it right so like especially yeah. if you're a high net worth individual i mean i'm not pointing any fingers but grime's name you know it got, you, you got to look at that and be like wow 6.2 million in whatever 20 minutes or something it's just like 
that's some serious money for digital artwork and that's not to take away from how talented she is but you know i don't mm-hmm. know it's it's pretty pretty interesting to see how people might be exploiting this new market for their own gain oh definitely because i remember in a clubhouse um name drop him tommy who was an ex coinbase uh dev said that nfts are actually not considered securities um they are just considered as art so i think there is kind of a I don't want to call it a loophole, but there's definitely regulations that are not fully there um, in terms of NFTs because they are in a security. So security laws don't comply in these sort of trades and investments. So maybe that's another reason why there's a lot of hype in this space. Yeah, it's ma- and it's mad how quick it's developing. Like even today, I saw this article about like how NFTs are evil because of the power they consume, the damage to the environment. Have you seen this stuff coming out yet? Like, have you? Oh yeah, I mean, like my crypto in general. There's always, um, there's always going to be the people who are, because they are. I mean, crypto mining for crypto is is literally so bad for the environment. Um, and my dad actually, for that reason, isn't doesn't support crypto and doesn't see a future for crypto. He says that because it's so damaging to the environment. Like sooner or later, the government has to come out with some sort of way to balance. Because it's it's like decentralized system versus like non-decentralized and like damaging to the environment. So there's definitely like opportunity cost here that needs to be further discussed. And that's and that's because of the computers that are basically running the processes that are mining the right. coin, and it's just the heat mm-hmm. that that generates. That it's literally that. Exactly. Yeah. Because the whole idea of blockchain is that there are these, you know, there are these nodes, and each node that is solved for a transaction is a harder math equation. And each step up takes more power to solve this algorithm. So that's why there's these big mining farms that's literally just dedicated to, you know, trying to mine more Bitcoin. Um, I think the two companies in that space leading right now are Riot and Mara. So for people who are traders, whenever Bitcoin goes up, those two stocks go up too. <laughs> Sympathy stock plays. How, and so when it comes to your stock world and, and what you're doing in this stuff, that's obviously where you're mainly clued in. So how like how do people learn more about you and what you're doing in the stock market? And I know that there's plenty of people that are going to want to check out what you're investing into because you're a very, very clued in person. Like, How can people follow you and, and find your profiles? Um, I go by Jangsta across all my platforms. So just Z-H-A-N-G-S-T-A. Um, and then... My personal side hustle business is called Loki Stonks. Nice. <laughs> so you can just find that at lokistonks.com. Fair play. Um, well, look, listen, Angela, I'm sure we're going to do this a little bit more down the line because I know that both of us are now like trying to learn this stuff at a crazy rate. And I just, I love everything you're doing. I love the way you explain things. Thank you for helping me and everyone listening right now understand a little bit more about NFTs and where it's going. And I just, I just think you've aced this. So thank you so much for coming on. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. Sounds good. All right. I'll catch you next time. All right. All right. See ya. Perfect.